Hello, this is Stacy Gibson, and welcome to my podcast. As promised on my promo, tonight's episode will be my deliverer. My deliverer will be coming from a scripture text in Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Acts chapter 12, 7 through 11. And this is He's Got the Whole World in His Hands Ministry. It's a division of Community Baptist Church. We're at 601 Jenkinsburg Road, Locust Grove, Georgia, 30248. That's Community Baptist Church, 601 Jenkinsburg Road, Locust Grove, Georgia, 30248. Come join us this Sunday. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. You are a merciful God. You're great in all things. Dear Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on that cross for our sins. We thank you for that blood that was shed. We thank you, dear God, for hearing and answer prayers today and yesterday and even tomorrow, Father. Dear Lord, you've got the whole world in your hands, and we thank you, Lord, so much. Now, just I pray that this podcast would touch, change lives. If they're backslidden, Father, I pray for restoration. If they're lost, I pray that something I say, Father, dear Lord, would that they would fall to their knees and seek you, open their Bibles, and find you, Father, dear Lord. For we know the Bible teaches us to ask, seek, and knock. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Has God ever delivered you? I'm looking over here at some responses I've got, and hey, I guess it's a beautiful sunny Saturday. The rain is gone, and guess what? I've got zero responses. Come on, people. <laughs> Let this get, let's get this show on the road. I know everybody's probably busy. I know I probably should have put this promo out earlier in the week and let it sit all week, but I had some things going on and and uh, that's my fault, but let's move on. Has God ever delivered you? Well, if you're if you're saved tonight, today, then yes, he's delivered you from a place called hell. Have we not all been in situations where if God did not show up, we would not have a chance at all. Now, King Herod killed James, the brother of John, and because it pleased the Jews, he took Peter and cast him into prison. That's Acts 12, 4. Now, it goes on to say, and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems pretty bleak. If you've ever been locked up, you know it's a helpless, hopeless feeling with little or no hope at all of getting out until your time is served. Completely. Hmm. Got some statistics here I'd like to look at. Here in the United States, the United States has 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prisoners. The total incarcerated population in the U.S. is staggering 2.4 million at a 500% increase over the past 30 years. One in every 108 adults was in prison or in jail in 2012. One in 28 American children has a parent behind bars. At the end of 2007, one in 31 adults were behind bars on probation 
are on parole. Currently 65 million Americans, excuse me, currently 65 million Americans have a criminal record. There are more people behind bars today for drug offenses than were in 1980 for all offenses combined. The U.S. spent $80 billion on incarceration in 2010 alone. About as many people returned to prison just, uh, just for parole violations in 2000 as were admitted in 1980 for all reasons combined. Staggering. Parole violators accounted for more than 35% of all prison admissions in 2000. Of those, only one-third were returned for new convictions. The rest were returned for technical violations, such as missing a meeting with a parole officer. Hey, those meetings are important. Better go. A first-time drug offense carries a sentence of five to ten years. In other developed countries, that sentence would be six months of jail time, if any at all. The vast majority of those arrested with drug offenses are not charged with serious offenses. For example, in 2005, four out of five drug arrests were for possession, not sales. In the 1990s, marijuana possession accounted for nearly 80%. Did you hear that? 80% of the spikes in arrest. Three out of four young black men in Washington, D.C. can expect to serve time behind bars. This is despite the fact that people of all races use and sell drugs at the same rate. African Americans, Afri African Americans comprise 12% of regular drug users, but almost 40% of those arrested for drug offenses. More than 96% of convictions in the federal system result from guilty pleas rather than decisions by juries. Conservative, conservative estimates put innocent people who plead guilty between 2 and 5%, which translate to tens of thousands of innocent people behind bars today. Eighty percent of defendants can't afford a lawyer. Tens of thousands of people go to jail every year without ever take or without ever talking to a lawyer or going to trial. Now listen to this: a public defender will routinely have a caseload of more than a hundred clients at a time. Now this research was done by Laura. Uh, Demon, if I'm pronouncing her name right, forgive me if I'm not, but wow, those are some staggering numbers. Look at this. I can honestly say right now that alcohol, drug abuse, and I'm going to go ahead and even add the absence of a father often contribute to being incarcerated. Michigan State findings here. I'm going to look at uh, Michigan State University uh, scholars. It says fathers play a surprisingly large role in their children's development, from language and co cognitive growth 
into toddlerhood to social skills in fifth grade according to new findings from the Michigan State University scholars. Now the research provides some of the most conclusive evidence to, to date of father's importance to children's outcomes and reinforces the idea that early childhood programs such as Head Start should focus on the whole family including, including mother and father alike. The findings are published online in two uh, academic journals, Early Childhood Research Quarterly and Infant and Child Development. There, this whole idea that, that grew out of the past research that dads really don't have direct effects on their kids, that they just kind of create the tone for the household and that moms are the ones who affect their children's development, said Clara uh, Valton associate professor and primary investigator of the research project. But here we show that fathers really do have a direct effect on kids, both in the short term and long term. Now using data from about 730 families that participated in a survey of early Head Start programs at 17 sites across the nation, the researchers investigated the effects of parents, stress, and mental health problems such as depression on their children. Parental, uh, parental stress and mental health issues affect how parents interact with their children and subsequently childhood development. The study found that fathers parenting related stress and a harmful effect had a harmful effect on their children's cognitive and language development when their children were two to three years old, even when the mother's influence were taken into account. This impact varied by gender. Father's influence, for example, had a larger effect on boys' language than girls' language. Another key finding, fathers and mo mothers' mental health had a similar uh, significant effect on behavior problems among toddlers. Further, fathers' mental health had a long-term impact leading to differences in ch children's social skills such as self-control and cooperation when the children reached fifth grade. In fact, fathers' depression symptoms when children were toddlers were more influential on children's later social skills than were mothers' symptoms. In sum, the findings contribute to the small but growing collection of researching uh, affirming the effects of father's characteristics and father's child relationship qualities on children's social development rather than just the father's residence in the home or presence in the child's life. According to the paper published in Early Childhood Research Quarterly, Tamisha Harewood, lead author of the paper in the Infant and Child Development, said fathers in addition to mothers, should be included in parenting research and family intervention programs, programs and policies. A lot of family risk agencies are trying to get the dad more involved. But these are some of the things that could be missing, said Harewood, a researcher in MSU's Department of Human Development and Family Studies. When the agency is talking uh, with the dad, 
It's not just about providing for your child economically, but it's also to be there for your child, to think about how stress or depression might be influencing your child. In order to understand and help children in their development, there needs to be comprehensive view of the whole family, including both mom and dad. I know it's sad uh, today, and, and it's been that way for a long time, that we often think that, that hey, that, you know, dad's at work. Uh, mom raises, mom stays at home with the kids, and I know we live in a, an age today where both mom and dad are both out there working all the time. But as we see from this research here that, you know, mom, you're very important. And we love you moms out there. You keep up the good work. Pray for your children. Uh, that's, the, that's the best you could do. You know, it's the least you can do. Excuse me. And you know what, dad? Be there when you can. Be there all as much as you can. We find it from this research that dads are super important. You know, uh, I lost my... Uh, dad when I was 11 years old I think I shared that last week maybe and lost my mom when I was 17 and I can't tell you how it seems that I had to learn everything the hard way but I'm here to tell you I'm gonna round all this back up here into the into what I'm saying is because you know what even though I had tragedy in a young life it seems like I, I don't even you know having a father you know but you know what God was always been there he's always been there for me he's always been my father and uh, my Heavenly Father, he's, he's been there for me and He's delivered me from the pain, the suffering, and things. Now let's get to our scripture text. I never uh, got into that because I said we'd be in Acts 12, 7, 11. And all I gave you was Acts uh, 12, 4. But I was setting the scene with letting you know that Peter had been arrested. And, you know, he was basically arrested just because it pleased the Jews. Let's look at chapter 12 here, verses start, come down in, in verse 7. It says, Behold, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out, verse 9 says, And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through on the street. And, oh, excuse me. And passed on through one street. And forthwith the angel departed from him. Now look at this. Verse 11. Very important here. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now... I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. When Peter came to himself, I mean, before this, he th maybe he thought he was dreaming. You know, I'm getting out of prison. <laughs> like a lot of us may be if we're in there right now. We just, that's our dream. We just, let's get out of here. 
And when Peter was come to himself, though, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me. Delivered me. Peter was delivered that day. I'm going to add verse 17 here. Not going to read the whole thing, but it just says that Peter, uh, when he came, you know, well, I'm going to, let, let me just go ahead and tell you, P P Peter was knocking on the door as they as the church was inside there praying for him. He was knock, outside knocking on the door. And, you know, the little lady come up there and answered the door and, and she's, you know, and he said, let, let me go ahead and read this. And then Peter knocked on the door at the of the gate and a damsel came to and hearkened named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She was so excited. Oh, it's Peter. She went back to tell them and didn't even open the gate for him. But, but Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Verse 17 here, like I said, I didn't really have planned to read this, but I can't help it. I'm going to read it. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declaring unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Hey, Peter was delivered that day. Peter was delivered that day. What about you? Have you ever been delivered from anything? I'm going to... Maybe I could check my phone here and see, is anybody responding? Has anybody got anything? Has God not delivered anyone out there today? And I got a lot of, lot of uh, posts, a lot of things going on, but hey, no one's responding to the right one today, but hey, that's quite all right. We're gonna keep rolling on along here. Hmm. God has delivered me myself. Let me just tell you what God's delivered me from. I've already told you that I had a rough childhood, you know, lost my mom and dad. And, you know, uh, I, I can probably should have done some statistics on that to let you know, you know, it's not easy for orphans uh, coming up in this world. I think it's great that there's that there are a lot of success stories and then there's some not so successful stories. But I can tell you how many times I can't tell you how many times I've dropped the ball how I've fumbled and sometimes even right there at the goal line. But God has been there to pick me up each and every time God has delivered me. I can't tell you how many financial messes I've created and gotten myself into where God has bailed me out. Tell you a little bit about that. God's delivered me many a times just simply because, because each week I pay my tithes. Let me tell you a story about this. I didn't plan on this one either, but hey, this is good. I remember years ago at my grandmother's house, I didn't have a job. I uh, didn't have, we didn't really have nothing, to be honest with you. But I had $20 on me and it was the last $20 I had. And I think, you know, I'd heard some things about Oh, we need to tie their income and we need to do this and we need to do that. Uh, you know, and, and so I'd heard a few things, man, you know, I've been, I grew up in church, but you, I never, as an adult, I never have, you know, give God money. I was, you know, I was always pretty greedy with my money. I wanted to keep every cent I got. But let me tell you, I gave, I went to church that day and, and I said, okay, God, I heard the preacher talking about tithing. I said, okay, God, here you go. I, I don't have a job. I don't have nothing. 
but here's the only $20 I have. Here you go. And I put that $20 in the offering plate as it came by. That Sunday, that very Sunday after service was over, and you have to know my grandmother, she's, uh, she will give you the shirt off her back. She will feed you uh, till the cows come home. She will pray for you. But my grandmother never gives money. I just, it just wasn't something she did. But what she does do, and what she, excuse me, you know, God, God rest her soul, what she did do, when she obeyed the Lord's voice. And so when we got home from church that day, she walks over to me and she said, the Lord told me to give this to, to, to you. And she gave me $20. Now, now she wasn't in the church uh, sitting right beside me, so it's not like she's seen what I did. But she gave me $20. And I just thought to myself, wow, that was fast. Now, it's a Sunday afternoon. We're sitting around, you know, relaxing. Uh, in my family, we really take Sunday afternoon uh, as the Lord's Day, a day of rest, because we'll get in our recliners. That's the day we're going to kick back, and that's the day we're going to enjoy it. But I remember my aunt stopping by. Aunt Peggy, I love you. Thank you. And she had no idea what was going on in my life at the time. But she sat there and we visited, had a great time. Me, my Aunt Peggy, and my grandmother, Carney Gibson. And she was, we were walking her out to the door. And she shook my hand. And I noticed when she shook my hand and told me goodbye and kissed me, there was $20 in my hand. So I gave God the only 20 dollars I had at all. That was all I had. And before the day is over with, God gave me 40. Let me tell you, I've been tithing ever since. <laughs> so yes, God has delivered me time and time again financially. Even when I make mistakes, mess up, ran credit card debt up and, and things, but God's always been there to bail me out. I've been delivered from drugs. I'm sad to say right now, but yes, that's true. God's delivered me from drugs. At one time, I I probably, you know, honestly, I probably shouldn't be here right now. I should probably be in, a, in prison. I should probably be in a mental institution or maybe even in the grave. God's delivered me from drugs. God's delivered me from alcohol. I want to say something about alcohol. Alcohol causes more problems. Alcohol and drugs causes more problems today in, in people's lives. They, it destroys people's lives. You know, I, like I said, I've done drugs. But you know, every situation I've ever gotten in trouble with the law, it's always been alcohol-related. And I thank God I haven't... I quit drinking in 1997. I think I've had a couple uh, moments where I've dropped the ball, but but overall I haven't you know haven't been a steady drinker since then, and and I thank God for that deliverance from drugs. I thank God for that deliverance from alcoholism. 
God is also, I told you uh, at, at the one point in time when I, when I, when I tithed and gave the $20, it's only $20 I had. Well, guess what? There's been times in my life where I haven't had anything. I mean, I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have a home. I didn't have a vehicle. I didn't have a, I barely had some clothes on my back. So God has delivered me from homelessness. And of course, that goes along with he's delivered me from being jobless. He's provided. But you know my favorite delivery? Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back and I'll let you know. Just think about this. What do you think my favorite delivery is? Hello, this is Stacy Gibson. I'm back. Uh, thanks for for the break here. Uh, I, before the break, I said I was going to tell you what my favorite delivery from uh, is, and and I guess most every one of you can tell that you know the, the greatest delivery that God has given me is from hell. <laughs> if nothing else goes right in my life from this day forward, the one thing I can say is. That, it, that this in this life is this is as bad as it gets. Now, I know I can eat my words and say, boy, things get, get a lot worse than they are right now in my life. I'm not, that's not what I'm, the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that no matter how bad it gets here in this life, this is as bad as it gets because there's a day coming. There's a day coming when I'm going to heaven. And it's going to be great. No more sickness. I won't need to be uh, delivered from anything. No more sorrow. No more separation. No more going to work. <laughs> this is my, uh, we always like to sing uh, on Sunday, uh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Or, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, if the Lord comes back Sunday night, would be great with me. That way I ain't got to get up and go to work Monday morning. But that's just a little joke. Uh, but that is my greatest delivery. And I was hoping to get, I looked here, I was looking here to check again and see. I was thinking maybe I need to call some people up and ask them some questions or something. Ask them, say, hey, what's going on here? Because I'm I'm looking at here at what I uh, got uh, on, my, on my promo here. And I got like 95 views. I'm like, okay, oh, that's great and everything. Appreciate y'all watching that. And I do appreciate you guys listening. Uh, but however, uh, you know, uh, let's, let's get some responses to that. But that that's quite all right. Like I said, I know most of you are probably out today enjoying this nice sunshiny day. But if nothing else goes right in my life from this day forward, one thing I can say is this is as bad as it gets right here. You know, it gets better when I die. Now, how can I say that? Well, just because of what I just shared with you. Heaven is going to be a beautiful place. Philippians 1, 2, 1 says, For to me to live is Christ. And when it says that, you know, I'm not to live this life for me anymore. God has delivered me from that. He's delivered me from living life my way. And now, that's what I'm doing. For, for to me to live is Christ. That means Christ is to live through me. I'm to let Him live through me. I'm to let Him I'm to surrender daily and carry my cross, no matter how heavy it is. But the second part of that, it says, Philippians 1, 2, 1, 
For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This life is full of sickness and sorrow, and this life can can be beautiful at times, and sometimes this life can bring you a, a bag of rocks. And, and you just wish, oh my goodness. And, and, you, and you know, what do, we, what do we call out for, to God for? Help get me out of this mess. Help me, Lord. Dear, we, uh, don't be one of those Christians that makes God promises. Dear God, if you'll just get me out of this, I promise I'll do this. I promise I'll do that. And if you do, keep your promises. But don't put God back on a shelf after He's delivered you. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's going to be a wonderful gain when I get to heaven. I have been delivered from living my life my way. I've now learned to let Christ live through me. And heaven is waiting for me. I do not want to die except to self. And that's what I need to do each and every day, die to self. I want to live and to see my grandchildren grow up, get married, have kids, etc. So on and so forth. Of course I do. I also do not want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. However, God is not always going to deliver me from my pain. Why? Why does God not deliver us from our pain? Not always. Well, let's look at some things. Pain draws us closer to Him. When do you call out to God more? When everything's hunky-dory? When everything's going smooth? When you got that smooth sailing action going on? Or when you don't know where your next meal is coming from? Or you don't know how you're going to pay that rent? Or the doctor just told you some devastating news? Yes, pain draws us closer to Him. It leads, it leads me to Him. And like I said, let's don't be the type of person that God delivers you and then you just put Him back in your pocket, like I said uh, a few weeks ago, to put Him back on that shelf, so to speak. It draws us closer to Him. It leads us to Him. It builds character. But you know what? You also partake in the suffering of Christ. Now, 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. You know, we may not like what we go through, but if we endure suffering, if we endure pain, endure hardships, we smile and praise God in the good and praise God in the bad. You know, submit to Him and do His will. Be obedient. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If we do these things, there's a day coming that we'll be glad when we stand before Jesus when we kneel before Jesus. We'll be glad 
that we partook in the suffering. We'll be glad that we didn't murmur and complain and whine at every little thing that came our way. We'll be glad when we see that we trusted Him, even when we couldn't see. We'll be glad that we had the faith to know that that God is still on the throne and He is in control. We'll be glad to know that every bump, every heartache, every trial that we went through had a purpose. I've learned in my life to to simply get on my knees and ask God not why He's put this on me. I may ask Him, we may ask Him why, but, but we also need to ask Him, well, what do you want me to see in this? What am I to learn from this? What are you trying to show me? I'm going to say this every podcast, that, that you need to get on your knees and you need to pray. And you need to pray with your Bible open right in front of you. And I even learned something new. I usually mark up my Bible, but I learned uh, something new uh, this week uh, uh, listening to, to a pastor on television. And, and he, said that, uh, he said that he likes to pray with a piece of paper and a pen. And I thought, well, that's pretty good because I can't tell you how many times I've got down to pray and God's given me something. And, I'm, I'm, and, I, and it really interrupts your prayer, believe it or not, to get up and go try to find a pen or a piece of paper. It does. And that's why I say a lot of times I pray with my Bible and I'll usually mark up my Bible. I'll write stuff in the corners on the edges and, and everything. And But I thought that was pretty good because let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get through praying and Satan's going to try his best to steal that thought from you. It's a good idea to, to have something to write with. It's a good idea to pray as you're going through the Bible. You know, uh, let the Yellow Pages add years ago. A lot of young people out there going, what's Yellow Pages? <laughs> You know, it says, let your fingers do the walk. And when you need to get God's Word out, you need to pray. And you need to have God's Word in front of you when you pray. And you need to open it up sometimes and keep praying. And you need to stop and you need to listen. God is speaking. And God will tell you things. He will speak to you. He will show you. Oftentimes, He'll let you know. It may not be that day. It may be a week or two later. But God will eventually let you have understanding. He will eventually let you know why you are going through this suffering. And oftentimes it's not because God is not ready to speak to us that He doesn't reveal it. A lot of times it's because we're not ready to accept the truth. We're not ready to accept what He's got to give us. not ready to accept the reason why we may be going through something. Hey, first of all, you need to check, is there sin in your life? And don't say, well, you know, hey, Stacy, I, uh, I don't do anything wrong. I'm a good guy, you know. Well, the Bible teaches me us that for him to knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. That's just saying, hey, it's not just what you do wrong. It's what you fail to do right is sin as well. You know, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't cuss. I give my tithe to the church. I do everything. But what about when you're pumping gas and God tells you to witness to the biker across there filling up his Harley? It looks like he'd bite your head off just for saying hello. (laughs) You know, I've often been in that same situation, but now I ride a Harley, so I don't feel so bad now. But uh, I, I will say this much that, you know, you'll find out sometimes those are some of the nicest people you can meet. Mm. It builds character. We're partaking in the suffering of Christ. It draws us closer to Him. 
First Peter, like I said, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, and that ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Yeah, it may not seem joyful at the time, but trust me, if you know if you put your faith and trust in God, it won't be it won't be nearly as hard. And believe me, I'm coming to you today, right now, from experience. Why? Because at this very moment, at this very moment, believe it or not, I'm in pain. I'm going through something real devastating in my life. And I need to be delivered right now as I speak on this podcast. I have a prayer going up nonstop constantly for God in my life right now. And I need God's help. And I have to trust that God knows what's best And He knows what I need, as well as how much to put on me. See, the Bible also teaches us that He won't put on us more than we can bear. And sometimes I question that as well. And I tell you today, this podcast is is right on line with me because I need a deliverer right now. Right at this very moment, I need a deliverer. The good news is I know who to call on. And believe me, I've called on him all morning, all afternoon. And I will finish this podcast and continue to call on him. And I thank God that he hears me. And I thank God that he has never forsook me and he's never let me down. Now, Satan, he's going to attack. He attacks me and he wants to destroy what God has going on. He wants to destroy what God is doing through me in my life right now. However, praise be to God. (laughs) Praise be to God. I can have the victory through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Let me just read something for you. It says, it has been said that we can live 40 days without food. Four days without water. Four minutes without air. Now, some of these may vary depending on the person. But only four seconds without hope. The Lord is my hope tonight, today. The Lord is my deliverer. Is He yours? Is the Lord your deliverer today? He can be. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can today. I've got great news. That's great news for you. If you're suffering today in need of a deliverer, I've got great news. The gospel's for you. There's no problem too big for God. There's no problem too small. Get on your knees. Get your Bible out. Go buy you a Bible. Get in touch with me. I'll get you a Bible. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, ask Him into your heart right now. Make Him the King of your life. You may know Jesus today, but you just may need that delivery. Well, I'm telling you, don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. Keep trusting in Him. Keep praying to Him. Do the push. Pray until something happens. Keep praying. 
And I can guarantee you that God will not let you down. Oh, it may not be the way you wanted it to be. It may not be the way you expected. But God will never leave you or forsake you. Like I said, if you're lost, call out to Jesus today. If you're backslidden, get, get back on track. Get back on, the, get back on track and get, get involved. Get active. Listen to the, uh, my podcast a few weeks back of Living an Aborted Life. Hey, this is Stacy Gibson. I, I thank you so much. This is He's Got the Whole World in His Hands Ministry. We're, like I said, we're a division of Community Baptist Church, 601 Jenkinsburg Road, Locust Grove, Georgia, 30248. Community Baptist Church, 601 Jenkinsburg Road, Locust Grove, Georgia, 30248. I found out if you put Griffin, Georgia, it'll take you right to the church for whatever reason in your GPS, if you got a Garmin or TomTom. If you put Locust Grove, it kind of takes you on past the church, so just be looking for that church on your left. Um... I'm the Sunday school teacher out there. Come join me this Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. I'd love to have you. I'm the adult Sunday school teacher. Like I said, if you got a prayer request, a Bible question, if you need us to visit someone, I'm at sgibson132 at comcast.net. sgibson132 at comcast.net. I'm on Facebook at Twitter at, at StacyGibson6. And my podcast is here at anchor.fm forward slash Stacy hyphen Gibson three. Thank you so much. And I hope to hear, uh, hope to see you soon. God bless.